what would you say is your why in terms of why you're trying to pursue all this financial freedom? The bigger picture to this financial freedom idea, and it took me years, honestly, to like realize why do I have this inner drive to really pursue this? A lot of people talk about it because they want to become financial, financially wealthy, and that's not it for me. My dad actually passed away when I was three years old, so I never got a chance to really, you know, really meet him and make memories. You know, I want to be the best father I can, so I want to be that father that's there at every baseball game, you know, that father that's there reading the report cards and, you know, catching your, your son or your daughter, you know, when they fall or, you know, yeah. stupid little <laughs> things like that, that that's really my why behind this, behind the whole financial freedom movement for me is I want to make enough passive income, primarily enough income to replace my existing income where, you know, my fiance and I, we can live off of our, you know, passive income and then we can really do and travel whatever we want to do. Welcome everyone to episode eight of the Paul and Pals podcast. I'm your host, Pony Boy Paul, and Paul and Pals is a podcast where I interview my creative pals to learn how they became who they are today to inspire you for tomorrow. On episode eight, I have a creative conversation with my pal, Josh Elwood. He is a creator of Debt to Dollars, a platform dedicated to showing you how to produce passive income and get out of debt. If you're counting, yes, this is the third Josh that's been on the podcast, and we're only at eight episodes. And to be honest, I wish I had an explanation for this, but sometimes... It is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just... I couldn't resist. I I know, that, that was corny. But anyway, in this episode, third Josh explains the reasoning behind his why of five with FI being short for financial independence. Josh also takes us through the different side hustles slash ventures he's pursued, both failures and successes. And towards the end, we find out who's really the mastermind behind all of his wonderful ideas. But without any further ado, let's get creative. Let's get creative. Josh, what is going on, Paul? How you living, bro? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Excited to be the, here. I'm glad like we, the, we got a good crowd. I know, man. I'm liking. I'm liking the setup, bro. Looking, looking official. I know. I got one of those. Uh, like these thirty dollar LED lights, little halo light. <laughs> Love it. Use it for YouTube setup. and everything. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're gonna get into that actually. So, uh, for the people that weren't able to see the promo, and uh, you know why I'm interviewing Josh, I've known Josh. Uh, for a while now, you know, I think he's one of those guys that's always uh, getting after it, always inspiring me. And, you know, we're, we're going to get into a story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him talk about it, but kind of go back to how we met. I actually met Josh, I think, summer of 20, I would say 2015, 16, 16 20, uh, one of those years. And I was interning in Houston uh, with Shell. You were there, too. And, you know, we just kind of met, you know, we're kind of in the same department and all that stuff. So uh, we've stayed friends through then. You know, we're both we're both still here. And like, you've always been doing something. I think even that first summer you were telling me about this like little venture you were doing, you were flying to, I think Cali to like present. Yeah, yeah, in San Francisco, so, Silicon Valley. Exactly, bro. So always keeping busy. It. Always, man. So like, I kind of want you to kind of, you know, once again, introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, and then we're going to get started kind of like where your story started, you know? Yeah, well, let's get started. So um, what's going on, everybody? I see we got 14 people here. 
Uh, you, killing it. I really love for you guys to engage and ask some questions. Uh, you know, that'd be, it'd be awesome if you guys do that. But uh, my name is Josh Elwood. I, as Paul mentioned, I, I met him working for Shell Oil Company down here in Houston, Texas. I uh, moved down here in 2016 for an internship and then started working back in 2017 and, and been with the company for about three years. But that's not really the exciting part or, you know, the, where a lot of my passion lies and, and what really gets me motivated and, and excited. Um, a lot of that lies with these side hustles, I call them. And it's really these, uh, I, I don't like to call them businesses, even though they are legal and um, actual businesses, <laughs> <laughs> but they're these side hustles. And it's basically something that you can do in your part time. You can contribute maybe five hours a week to, and you can earn additional passive income on the side. And, and so that's what I really want to talk to you guys about here today. Um, some more bit of background on me. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I always like to say that because Pittsburgh's the people that come from Pittsburgh are known as these blue collar steel workers and, and they're really hardworking individuals. And I like to say that because that's really where I think I get my work ethic from growing up there. And it's something that a lot of people tend to overlook is where you come from and you're always focused on where you're going. You don't take a chance to, you know, really look back and reflect where you came from. And um, I don't know if we have anybody from Pittsburgh, but shout out to those guys <laughs> if you guys are. Okay. And uh, so kind of going back to that, you know, you said you're always a hard worker. Where, like, how, how much influence did that have on you? Were you saying like, oh, growing up, you just saw everybody grinding. So you always knew you wanted to grind. Or were you kind of in that mindset when you first got into college or you're about to get there? You just wanted to do the basic, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna get a job, and then I'm gonna just do what people do. Well, I think again, um, you know, talking about reflection and everything. I, so I grew up with a single mother, uh, single mother raised myself and my brother, and that really put a lot of core values uh, into you know how I was raised. And I saw how difficult my my mother had at raising us two two boys, and also just how hard she worked to give us everything that we could have and be there at every sporting event, and how much sacrifice that she made. So I was raised with a really strong and um, you know a strong mother, such as my mother, and. So I was able to see a lot of her work ethic and that's all I really ever knew. So the moment that she took a breath, you know, she was thinking about the next thing that she had to do. So Ooh. anytime I got a moment of, all right, what's next? I was constantly thinking, all right, I need to be working on something. I need to be doing something. So it was something that was really ingrained in me in my childhood. And I carried through with me, you know, really my whole life up to this point. Gotcha. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I never knew, I guess I never knew that about you. It's funny that we've known each other for this long. And so that kind of starts to paint the picture of, you know, where you got that grind from. So I guess we can start at the, actually, I, I want to, before we get to the, the first venture that I knew that you were involved in, were you doing anything kind of growing up in high school or right before college that like you realized, oh, if I do this, I can make money from it. How do I keep repeating that? Not at all. And so I always had that conventional mindset. You know, my mom told me, you got to go to college, you got to get a good degree, get a job and you know, that, that's where success is. And then you can start, you know, once you retire, that's when you can actually mm. go on vacations and have a lot of fun, right? Uh, so no, it, it wasn't until I went to college and it was my sophomore year. Uh, two of my friends, they, they heard of this, um, this work that this one guy in their IT department was working on. And essentially what he was trying to do was create a mobile application that connected village doctors in Nepal to uh, villagers in Nepal in the outskirts of the, the main cities of Kathmandu. And so he was trying to electronically connect those individuals together because the healthcare infrastructure, it's a third world country and it's not as, um, you know, it's not like the United States. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not as developed. And so he was doing that and that was really where I got the spark. And they asked me, I don't know why they did, not to be honest with you, but they asked me to join the <laughs> team. I said, yeah, you know, might as well have some spare time here. And uh -huh. so I joined that and then I saw of one from a business perspective, 
you know, how important that could be and how you can really set your own self up for success rather than relying on a company. And then two, just for the, you know, the importance of what this guy was trying to accomplish, I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted mm-hmm. to help in any way that I could. Gotcha. And I think you called that, was that the program you were calling uh, EMED, right? That was EMED, yes. Got you. So, so um, we ended up... We ended up getting uh, this. We joined this idea maker co- uh, competition, which really you come with this idea. You have basically a front end development of idea. You don't really have anything in the works or um, a concept developed, but you pitch your idea and in front of judges and in front of audience. And we had actually ended up getting uh, second place in that. And so first and second place got a trip to Silicon Valley to really pitch the idea ideas to some top CEOs. We went to Weebly, we went to uh, oh, Twitter, wow. we went to uh, Reddit. Uh, Steve Huffman, we, we met all those individuals and that's really what inspired that creativity and, and motivation for me saying, hey, I can do something like this. And like, this is yeah. fun. These guys love what they do and they're doing something that actually has meaning to it. It's not just, yeah. you know, they're going, to nine, they're going to the nine to five every day just to make ends meet. They're doing got something you, important. Got you. got you. Okay. So let's keep going with that. So you were involved with EMED with these guys. You guys, you know, got to a, almost very successful, right? Um, and you guys were in Silicon Valley, and you're seeing all this happen. And was it more like, I want to be part of EMED and really put my all in it? Were you more like, dang, like, what can I do and start, you know, continue that path? It was, it it wasn't something I owned. So, in anything that you don't own, you don't necessarily have as much passion as you would for that person who came up with the idea and and Mm -hmm. is following it. So, I never really, I wanted to accomplish it, but the more that we, you know, discovered and started uncovering details about how to actually implement this into their healthcare um, infrastructure, it was almost impossible is how we saw it. So unfortunately, oh. you know, we, we ended, up, ended up dissolving itself, the team um, really were trying to fight a problem that was bigger than itself, you know, just us three, four college kids and being sophomores. Uh, but I think you, I look back on those individuals that I worked with and all of them are doing great things right now and actually implementing change into people's lives. So I think that event in our lives you know, wasn't necessarily meant to develop that idea and pursue that technology for those individuals. But in a way, I think it was a lot for us to learn of how to tap into that resource inside of us, uh, inside of us to actually go out and do different things to help individuals. Mm-hmm. Got you. So you kind of took away from that, like, even though this didn't work, like, something's got to work, right? So moving forward from that, what was your next idea? Or what, what was your next plans doing that? Uh, so, so the next year, next idea, um, it was and what year is this, college. by the way? Let's, this is junior college? I, okay. Man. So, yeah, this would be 2015 or 2016. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was asked another, another thing. So, um, there's these two individuals that are from Philadelphia, and they wanted to create this application to measure the lines, so actual physical bar lines at Penn State, um, or really at, at any college, and they wanted to pilot at Penn State. And so, they were having a, um, a software developer create the, the application that basically what you do is you had this application, and then you'd see the lines of the bars before you actually go out. You know, you went to Michigan and, you know, I went to Penn State and we know how, you know, treacherous basically those winners could be in your state. You don't want to go to a line that has a 40 minute wait, right? You're going to be freezing Facts. your butt off. Facts. And, and so I was like, yeah, again, another thing, another opportunity that came my way. And, and I, I just said, yes. And that was a lot of things in my life. And when opportunities came my way, I ended up just saying, yes, let me at least try it. If it's not for me, I, I'll tell you it's not for me, but I'm not going to say no to a potential opportunity. Gotcha. And so once we got pursued that, uh, we we actually got the technology, we got it work, and we actually launched it that following spring. And to this day, I really don't know why it dissolved itself, but it was another one, another... <laughs> That's how a I, great I, idea, I, though. It is. And the technology is really cool. We had a huge marketing campaign. 
Um, the woman's name was Courtney and she was phenomenal at, at marketing. So it, it was this huge launch, huge hype, but it never really went anywhere. And I think reflecting back on it, you know, I looked at it as, man, this is my, my second venture, my second project that I was a part of uh, that failed. And it really bummed me out that, that after that. And that summer, I, I really took a lot. And that, that's when we met one another. And, uh, you know, I started thinking about, you know, what, what's, what's next? I need to start owning something of myself that I can, you know, have actual control over and I can, I can see it the whole way through. Got you. So I'm really the key. I'm the reason why you're now like successful, right? That's, that's what you're trying to say. That's right. If you I know? didn't meet so, you, man, I, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. <laughs> and one thing I want to pause too, because now you're, you said in your first two ventures, right? People reached out to you and said, would you like to be a part of this? So like, what were you doing in college that made people just like, Hey, I got to talk to, to Josh. Cause he's that guy. Like what, what was your major and all that stuff? What was that? Man, I don't, so my major, I, I uh, got a degree in mechanical engineering, bachelor's degree, and uh, I, never, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why I got a degree in engineering. I just thought, you know, it was probably one of the most challenging <laughs> bachelor's degree that you can get, and you know, I want to challenge myself in that aspect. And obviously, there's um, there's fortune reward that that can result from that. So that was a lot of the motivation. I look back on it now, and I don't get that excited about engineering itself. I do get excited about solving problems. I do get excited about you know technology, but um, yeah. I feel yeah, like that's, that's what I went to school for. And so I, maybe that's why people looked at me as, oh, this guy, you know, he's got, he's got his shit together. He, he's going to degree in mechanical engineering. Maybe that's why we should uh, um, get hire him on board, you know? Got you. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say it to me. Just, let's just go with that. And um, going, like, moving forward, so now that second venture where you guys were estimating the bar lines, it didn't work out. It bummed you out. And you realized this is something else that you were a part of but you weren't necessarily leading. So what, what was next after that? So next after that, I'm, I was like kind of a transition point in my life. I, I didn't really do anything for that final year. And then I moved down to Houston, Texas here to, to work for Shell. And that was a point where it was probably the first time in my life that I had control over my finances and I, I had enough income coming in where I could start paying off my debts and I had some extra income that I could invest. And that, was, that really brought me into the, the picture of, all right, what do I do with this money, you know? What, you know, what, what do you do with all this? And so yeah. <laughs> I started looking for, I, now that I could actually fund my business ventures that I wanted to go forward with, this gave me that capital to do so. And so the next venture, man, I, there's been so many, but I think the next <laughs> venture was called Rhodes Advertising. Okay. And uh, Rhodes Advertising was this uh, idea that, that I, I created. And basically what I did is I took tablets and I put them in Ubers and I advertised local businesses, restaurants, uh, nightclubs, and you know, Clay Nightclub down here. And then I would pay those Uber drivers to put them in there and then the companies would pay me. So I was acting as a, a broker, the middleman of just connecting these individuals. Okay. Okay. We got we to gotta break that one down. Okay. So you just <laughs> randomly had the idea of, let me put iPads in Ubers and then have them advertise for other companies. Like, yeah, how did you actually, how did you, how'd you go about that? As one of the, I was reflecting a little bit on this, like some of my other side hustles I created, and it's very difficult for me to like remember that point in time, but I remember the point in time for this one. So I was going to this pool party about a year after I was down here and I get in the back guy's back seat of this guy's Uber in this truck and he had these screens on there just like blast and uh, music and you know, they got lights going. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like it was such yeah. a fun experience, right? And yeah, you gave him five stars? Like, Oh, he got five stars. I want to give him six if I could because he inspired a lot of creativity in me. Yeah. And as we're driving, I just started thinking, I look at these things. I'm like, man, imagine like we, like we passed a billboard and I saw that and, you know, kind of like pieced together things. And I was like, imagine if like, you know, you just advertised on these things. 
And I said mm-hmm. that to him. He's like, man, if I did that, I'd be a millionaire. And as soon as he said <laughs> that, I was like, holy shit, this is an idea I need to pursue. Yeah, and so yeah, like yeah. that next day I woke up and man, I got to work. I got down to it. And yeah. uh, I had that up and running out in a matter of weeks. That's crazy. Man. That's really dope. And the, the thing is, I remember because when you first had told me about this story, I, I had just came back from DC, I believe, DC. And I had seen a version of that in the lift. Like the driver yeah. had an iPad in the back of the car. So like when you were creating that, was that already existing or were you kind of like, so, how, yeah. it, it, it was already existing. I, I did look into, I think you're referring to Play Octopus. It's yeah, the company. Yeah, exactly. And and so I looked into them. Yeah, they were at that time, they were in LA, they were in uh Dallas. They they just started a pilot in Dallas and then they were Washington DC and New York. And um I looked at that competition, I realized that they weren't in Houston or Austin. So I said, All right, you know, I, I can at least get into this market and get it going and try to be one of the, the first entry to market. And um but what actually had ended up happening in the company, um, technically what happened is I they started expanding to Houston. I got a call one day from their uh, CTO, their, their technology officer, and he was saying, "Oh, are you the, are you the founder of Rhodes Advertising?" I'm like, "Yes," and you know, no one ever calls me like and says something like that. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, I just want to like give you a heads up." It, like, he's really just uh, I don't even know how you put it. He's just like he's trying to be the bigger man. And he was like, "Hey, just so you know, we have like five thousand uh, uh, <laughs> drivers already signed up for our program. We we're, we're expanding into Austin and into Houston now." And, and to me, I'm thinking like, "Oh shit, I just got started." <laughs> and, you know, so I, he was trying to flex on you real quick. He was, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. But yeah. one thing I learned from that, Paul, was you know you really got to figure out the why of why you're getting these side hustles or or these businesses. You got to ask yourself that question, and that's what I really realized in my first three, four ventures that I tried to pursue was you know, my heart wasn't in it. It was something that I was either called upon to do or something that I was looking to just to make money. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until like recently where I realized. You know, you need to figure out why you want to get into this business and then create a business from that idea, create a business from that solution uh, mm-hmm. to some problem. And it wasn't until I started doing that where, you know, I, I was over the hill and I started profiting a lot of these businesses and side hustles that I created. Got you. Okay. So now moving forward, I think this is kind of getting closer to probably, you were already full-time at this point, right? When you started the uh, Rhodes Advertising, right? That's correct. Yeah. Got you. So when they kind of came out here and kind of basically bullied you out of the market. What was yeah. in your mind? Like what other ventures were you looking at? Were you more just like, oh, I'm gonna just save my money or like, what, what were you doing at this point? So yeah, with Rhodes, I was, um, I had about like 25 like drivers I was looking to, to hire on as contractors. And I had 25, I used Amazon Fire tablets, they're about 50 bucks a piece. So I was really trying to, you know, limit my capital. And that was really all that I was putting out there. Okay. And so, um, you know, you know, with that being said, all right, you gotta tell me the question again. I'm running. I'm already running on a tangent. <laughs> I was saying, like, kind of like after this roads and that experience with that CTO, what was in your mind, and how were you trying to go about things moving forward? Oh yeah, okay. So, so moving forward, <laughs> I realized that there was already an existing competitor out there. There was already an existing business that that proved their success. I was in the very, very early stages um, of my business, and I realized at that point one, my heart wasn't in it. Do I really want to keep trying to go against this, you know, as you said, a bully? Do I want to go against this guy and, and try to compete yeah. with their business? And the answer to that was, you know, obviously was no. And so then going forward, I, I started really realizing that I need to figure out something that I'm passionate about and something that can really bring enjoyment to people. Mm-hmm. Got you. And I think at this point, I remember when I was, when I was first coming in, I think because you, you started before me. I was, uh, I had just read a book that I like, you know, very financial related. And I was like, oh man, I got to get into 
real estate and I got to figure out how to purchase some property. And I'm not sure at what point you started, but I know that you had experience. That was right then. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So let's let's get into that. Yeah. So after after I was advertising, I I need to. I still was making enough money where I, I need to look for something to invest in. And if it's funny, you look at every politician, you look at every famous person, every celebrity, anyone who has you know financial wealth, they all are invested in real estate. And there's a reason why. You know, it, it more likely it's only going to appreciate, and it's a safe safe place to put your money. And so I started listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, Bigger Pockets is a, an, an easy one to listen to. That's very popular amongst a lot of people. Um, right. I started reading a lot of books on real estate investing. I got in touch with a, a broker who was in within investing, and so I started to really just expand my network and expanding my knowledge in that area. And uh, that really drove me to the idea that you know if I have 10, 15 of these properties and they're, they're cash flowing at $200 a month. You know, I could just live off that income. I could just manage my properties and do whatever I want, you know, in my spare time. And so that's what really started driving me is, uh, how do I get this freedom? And that was one of the, the first entries that I looked into. Got you. Okay, cool. So now we're getting into real estate. And so at this point, you've kind of been just kind of doing ventures. And did you kind of approach this in the traditional way of where like you look for property, you purchase it, and then you rent it out? Or were you trying to like, see if you could optimize that based on your uh, personal situation. Yeah, and definitely try to optimize it. So if you go on Zillow, you can like download all this data. And um, for me, I guess this is one thing I, I learned from my degree is to really just get into the technical details. And so I download all this data about um, you know year over year appreciation, these different zip codes within the Houston area. And so I had all this data and I I basically narrowed it down to three zip codes that made sense for for my investment. And that's mm-hmm. really what... I try to optimize in order to find the best property. And I definitely overanalyze a lot of it. I'd say, I mean, you probably don't have to do that much, but yeah. it, it really led me to that, you know, that first property. Got you. And then how was that experience, you know, being, I think, I don't know how old you are at that point, but I'm assuming you're young, probably running out to somebody that's, you know, older than you, maybe have a family. How was that experience trying to go through the whole purchasing a home? Did you know somebody that was an agent? Like, Take us through that first time. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I really recommend to you know anyone listening right now is find a mentor in something that you know you want to pursue, you know, whether that be real estate, some type of business, finance, whatever it may be. Find that mentor, and that's exactly what I did. I, I reached out to an individual that I just came across during an open house, a broker, and uh, he really doesn't really engage a whole lot, you know, person to person. He's a broker, he's not a real estate agent. But I asked him, I said, hey, like I really want to get involved in real estate investing, but. You know, I know as much as this, you know, the books that I read and the podcasts that I listen to, but I don't have that hands-on experience. And I asked him, you know, can I basically just like be, can I just mentor you? And, you know, I'll do something for free. Can I manage your properties? And yeah. he didn't want me doing that, but he was like, yeah, I'll take you on my <laughs> wing. And, you know, when I, have, I could text him if I have an issue or if I, you know, I'm not understanding something fully. And so that, you know, during those properties, he was the person to guide me along the whole way and give me an idea of what to look out for um, in these properties that needed rehabbed or properties that are, are within the Heights area here. Uh, he was really the one that helped me. Got you. Okay. So at this point, you're kind of getting comfortable. You're like, okay, I got this guy. Let me let me move through with this, right? And I kind of want to go back to what something that you said towards the beginning, where you said when you're when you're pursuing all these ventures, you know, trying to get money, you need to have that why, right? And for yep. you, it seems like you already had this mindset a year or two into working that I want to do something aside from work. So what would you say is your why in terms of why you're trying to pursue all this financial freedom? Man, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question. There's, so for real oh, estate man, specifically, um, there's, there's one that encompasses the entire financial freedom idea, but I'm going to start with real estate. 
for real estate, it's the idea of just really providing someone a home or uh, you know a temporary living space, and just having that you know that capability of doing that for someone. You know, whether or not you make money off it, you're providing someone in a residence for six to twelve months, and that could really mean a lot to an individual. And and for someone, you know, such as myself, that I could take you know a hundred dollars off the rent, and you know, because this family really needs a place to stay, mm-hmm. stay. Like it's that idea of giving that person something that they may actually need more than, you know, they may reveal to you. Gotcha. And then the bigger picture to this financial freedom idea, and it took me years, honestly, to like realize why do I have this inner drive to really pursue this? You know, a lot of people talk about it because they want to become financial, financially wealthy. And that's not it for me. Uh, for me, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up with a single mother. And so my, my dad actually passed away when I was three years old. So I never got a chance to really, you know, really meet him and make memories. And that was one thing that I realized growing up is, you know, I want to be the best father I can. So I'm like already looking ahead, like when I'm in my late 20s, early 30s and starting a family. And I want to be that father that's there at every baseball game, you know, that father that's there reading the report cards and, you know, catching your, your son or your daughter, you know, when they fall or, you know, yeah. stupid little <laughs> things like that, that if you never had that growing up, it's something that you treasure. And like, you see your friends and their dads playing, you're like, man, I wish I had that. And so that's really my why behind this, behind the whole financial freedom movement for me is I want to make enough passive income, primarily enough income to replace my existing income where, you know, my fiance and I, we can live off of our, you know, passive income and then we can really do and travel whatever we want to do. If we want to go on a vacation for a week, we can do so. If we want to spend time with the kids for who knows when, you know, we can do so. It's up to us. Mm -hmm. No, that's a beautiful story, man. I mean... And I don't know if I've already told you this in our, you know, whenever we talk and stuff, but I think you also really inspired me a lot with this whole financial freedom idea. Because uh, even though coming out of college, I was getting my knowledge up, I was starting to read books, listen to bigger pockets, like you said. I think I've always appreciated that, you know, whatever you do, you you put 100% into it. Because I remember we were talking about like, you know, you purchased that first property, but you had to fix it up. So, you know, on the weekends, you know, it's 6 a.m., 7 a.m. on a Saturday and you're out here painting houses. You know what I'm saying? So I think that grind for you has always been there. So I think it's really dope that you were able to come to that. Why am I trying to get all this money? Is it just because, but now let's, let's turn that. Let's ask that into like, you then created this, this YouTube channel, debt to dollars. What was your inspiration behind that? Like what, what's really your goal from that? My goal is to honestly, and why I joined this is try to inspire as many individuals as I can. Uh, Cause I think you know, a lot of people in their, their twenties, especially like, you know, their early twenties, once they get out of school, it's, everyone's so worried about what everyone else is doing and they just want to paint this picture on Instagram of who they are and who they want to be. And it's so superficial. And I think when you start getting a deeper meaning of life of what you're trying to get out of this, you know, life that we're all in, uh, you're really going to find that success. Gotcha. So, um, I think with, with depth of dollars, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Also, you guys should follow the details. But the main reason why I created the channel was again, to inspire others and, um, I, I was asked a lot of questions, you know, from a lot of my friends, you know, you know, how do you just pick this up? How do you do it? And I'm like, honestly, it's so simple. Like you do got to put it in a couple hours, um, each week and eventually you'll build up a, a system or a business from it, but it's so simple and anyone can do it. I see. Cool. And yeah, let's go more into that. I also want to plug, uh, your new, your new Instagram page while we're at it. So you guys follow it's brand new. Dollars. It's a day old. <laughs> <laughs> and you put it, you put the work on it, yeah. So you guys should first of all, I would recommend following the YouTube channel because I think that's where a lot of your value is, a lot of the information. But if you guys are on Instagram right now, after this episode, follow DT Dollars, um, right. and, and get get all that uh, fine info. 
so now we're talking about that. And I, I really like what you're doing with the Depth to Dallas because you've talked about a lot of key things that, like you said before, we don't, we don't learn in school. We don't really learn how to manage our money. So if I'm a new person, I'm just hearing about this channel, like what, what is like the, the steps that you're trying to paint for somebody to be financially free? Yes, yeah, so it still is just like my Instagram account. And that's a day old. Um, this YouTube accounts, I guess it's, a, it's half a year old now, which is pretty cool to say. Uh, so it started back in February. And so if you're someone just coming to the channel and, and you don't really know what to look for, I have all these different playlists of one, how to you know sell something e-commerce on Amazon. Uh, Amazon is really the, the huge market coming up. It, it's basically like you go 10 years back and you heard of eBay and you're like, man, I want to sell stuff on eBay. Amazon's that. that, that that's what we're living in right now. And there's so much opportunity involved in that. Um, I also run a, a vehicle, a slingshot on Turo, and it's basically the Airbnb um, for vehicles and allows you to rent out your vehicle to someone else. And mm -hmm. so th there's, there's things like that on there that you can go on there, check the playlist out, see what you have interest in. And uh, you, know, you can start basically from these beginner tutorials that I make from how to start from just an idea that you have. Um, whether that be selling on Amazon or maybe you want to rent out your vehicle on the side. And I show you exactly how to put the listing up, tips to look out for, mistakes that I made that you can really mm -hmm. capitalize off of. Got you. And you actually just reminded me of the whole slingshot story because I know we kind of mentioned Turo Airbnb for cars, but can you go a little bit in detail what your idea was and actually what you're doing right now with the slingshot? Yeah, so slingshot, I've had that over. So when I bought my my house I live in right now, um, last May, I bought the slingshot as well. And you know, someone, some people would look at that and be like, man, you're, it's probably the dumbest thing you've ever done. It definitely was pretty uh, uh, out of the blue just to go the, out and the, do. But also, that was... That was Describe a slingshot yeah. for people that think you're talking about like a <laughs> yeah, so, yeah yeah not that slingshot. This is a, a player slingshot. It's uh I'm sure you've seen them on the road. It's a three wheeled roadster vehicle, and it really looks like the Batmobile if you look at them from the back. And you remember yeah. like uh, Batman uh, with Christian Bale. You know, yeah. why, that, that's basically what it kind of looks like it. So it's a really cool experience. And that's what I'm selling within that is I'm giving people an experience. I'm not giving them a vehicle to go from A to B. I'm giving them an experience to really drive something that turns heads and gets people excited just to you know go out and play with gotcha okay so then with that with your with Turo, basically you, you purchased that car right and then your idea is kind of like oh if i purchase this car and then i rent it out you know i don't know how often weekly you kind of eventually start to see an uh, income stream for that that overcomes whatever you paid for it, right that's the main that's right. goal gotcha okay cool so if, there, if there's anyone on, if there's anyone from Houston listening on, I'm going to tell you guys a secret, but you can't, you got to promise not to replicate this. And so <laughs> I looked at these slingshots and they were running out for basically $150 on average per day. And so I looked at it, I'm like, man, these things are probably like $40,000, $50,000. That's the only way this would make sense. And I look at these and you can buy a brand new one for like $25,000. I bought a used one for under 20 and then I start looking at my, my monthly payments. So obviously I put some money down on it, but you look at your monthly payments. I'm like, I do the numbers. I'm like, with insurance and everything goes into maintenance, it's going to, I just have to rent this out for two days each month and it'll pay for itself. And then anything on top of that is just cash flow. So mm. my mortgage basically gets paid through, you know, from my slingshot. What? It's great. On a, on a good, on a good month. Yes. <laughs> on a good month. It's probably not right yeah. now, but, um, so, okay. That's really dope. I gotta, I gotta look, we gotta talk more, more about that after this episode. Um, so you got that going and then you mentioned the whole Amazon, you know, selling, Can you want to a little describe that a little bit more? Yeah. And this isn't anything that, I, you know, I have a lot of a passion in the products that I sell on Amazon, but essentially what I do is I have an overseas supplier that you can find on these uh, e-commerce websites like Alibaba.com. 
I connected with a supplier and then I found a product that's a very generic product and have them manufacture it. So they manufacture it and then they also put my brand on it. My brand's just a simple ECI for my business. It's nothing you know, awesome or anything. And so they put my brand on it. They ship it to Amazon, fulfillment by Amazon, it's called, it's Amazon FBA. And so what they do is they basically take care of all the shipping package, handling of those products that you send to them and they give them to the customer and they also handle the customer service. So I really stay out of it. I can sit back and the product doesn't even have to come to my, my house or my business, wherever. I just connect my supplier with Amazon. They send them the goods and then people, you know, like such as ourselves will go on Amazon, they'll purchase the product and then Amazon will actually ship that to the customer. And you really, you you pay them obviously to do that uh, per unit that you sell. But if you do your profit margins correctly, you know, you can make X amount of dollars off of each product. And, you know, as I'm sleeping at night, you know, I could be selling 20 (laughs) goods and all of a sudden you you make a good amount of money on the side. I'm loving that. You're inspiring that, inspiring that. So it's good though. Like you, you've got all these, you know, you know, regular income streams coming in. And then I think about the the person that does want to be traditional, right? You know, let's say I don't yeah. have this urge of like, I'm not really trying to do all this entrepreneurial stuff, or I don't have the funds or the current situation to really stretch myself out like that. Like, where do you think that if you're just the average person, maybe you're just starting out, like, what is a good way to start? Is it really just figuring out an idea or is it more education? Like, what would you recommend? I would say it's not for everyone. So you got to really, you know, dig deep down in yourself and ask, you know, what are you looking for out in, in a, um, a vacation, a job? What do you actually want? If that conventional nine and five job provides you that, that value, that uh, motivation and you know, that wealth, then by all means, live your life like that. And that's, that's how a lot of people are. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But for those individuals that, you know, do see themselves as quote unquote entrepreneurs or someone who doesn't necessarily have that conventional uh, ways of working and, and that and how they perceive their life, then what I recommend doing is, again, start with the why, ask yourself why you want to do this. Once you figure that out and make sure it's a strong enough why, uh, then find something to produce that. Uh, the easiest thing to do when creating a business is to find a problem that's existing. And an easy way to find that out is, you know, ask your friends, people that are your age and say, hey, you know, what do you hate about your phone? Or what do you hate about this? Or what do you hate about phone cases? And then solve that problem. Outbeat, you know, beat your competition and then figure a business out or a service, a product that can um, be the, the solution to that problem. That's really yeah. the easiest way to do that. I, don't, I like that. And I forgot to mention, I saw this question while I was scrolling. Uh, so for anybody that has questions, uh, please submit them via the, uh, the little uh, question mark. But I saw one earlier and they asked, which venture would you never gr- try again, if any? Interesting. Hmm. Was that Amy who said that? Thank you, Amy. I think yeah, I saw yeah. that coming through. <laughs> uh, the venture I probably wanted to, and I wouldn't say it's the ones that you know I quote as a, a failure. I, I learned a lot from those businesses that I failed. Uh, the one that I'm still doing that I said I probably shouldn't do, I honestly would say it's the Amazon. And it's funny because I, I do focus a lot, my channel predominantly on selling on Amazon on YouTube. Uh, but I never really had that that passion to pursue this more than what it is. I'm really just looking at it as a, uh, a source of additional income that fuels my why for financial freedom. And when you remove yourself from the the business and the customer, it's fully online. My supplier ships to Amazon. I never see the product. It really removes you from that that excitement from it. So mm-hmm. I, I'd say that's probably the one, even though I'm still doing it and I, I, could, I plan to continue to do it. Yeah. It'd probably be the venture, quote unquote, wish I never started. Wish I never started. I, I like that. And um, I just thought about how like one of the things, because you, you're mentioning ventures you would never start or, but let's think about like in the future, right? So 
I think Depth of Dollars has a great potential to really inform a lot of people. Uh, but going back to your why, it was very just much, you really want to be very family oriented, but with, uh, you know, low stress, right? So do you see yourself trying to build more educational resources or kind of like you want to get to this point where you're okay and then you kind of want to just step back away from all of it? Like, what are you, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I I see my I watched that uh, the last dance with MJ. Finally, I've been waiting for it on Netflix, and <laughs> yeah. I see like how he just kind of you know faded out, but he did it on his own time and and what he wanted to do. And that's honestly how I see myself. I I, I want to inspire others. I do want to be that educational resource uh, and mentor to a lot of individuals, and I, I do plan to continue that. But as far as all the additional side hustles and my own hustle of continuing to build businesses, definitely take a a, a big step back once I quote unquote, get to my retirement and I begin to start a family. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what would you say is kind of like another burning idea that's up next for you that you're kind of thinking about that like, oh, I want to pursue this now? Or is it kind of like you feel kind of satisfied with what your current goals are you just want to, and you want to just let the uh, money stack up? Uh, I don't know if I should tell you this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No. We can, we can, okay. I, I'd say the wildest idea that would be a very, you know, a very large challenge for me would be, I really want to create a bagel shop down here in Houston. Uh, it's something that I thought of when I, when I moved down here uh, originally was that you look down in Houston and you think of like a, a New York bagel or anything in the Northeast. And that's something I grew up with college and, and grew up and I, I really enjoyed. And you go down here and it's all tacos, right? Uh, for breakfast tacos <laughs> is like the, the breakfast meal you go out for. And there's two bagel shops and both do extremely well. They have lines out the door. And so you look at the existing competition and there really isn't any. These two, There's two businesses downtown Houston that have a bagel shop, breakfast sandwich shop that um, you know, is basically just open up for the mornings. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I think it's a very <laughs> long shot for me. And it's definitely going to be a challenge, but I think in the yeah. future, the next couple of years, if I stay down here in Houston, mm-hmm. you might be seeing a bagel shop pop up. Dude, <laughs> that's the most random thing, but hey, man, I believe oh, you. Oh no, bro. right? You've, you've done a lot of great things. Um, I might write that down. Yeah, no, don't write that down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a, I had a question coming. They said, "What would you name the ba- bagel shop?" Well, that's the thing. So my fiance, Marley, I don't know if she's still on here, but she's the creative one. I'm really not the creative one. I'm the, I'm the logical one that gets stuff done and, and, and puts the action behind everything. But she, she's the one who came up with Debt to Dollars. She's, she's the one who actually came up with Rose Advertising. Like She is the, the woman behind the scenes that no <laughs> hey, one she doesn't get the out. fame for. I get it all. She just sits back, gets up the names, get the creative ideas. And I go, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over here and do that real quick. <laughs> she just says some things. You're like, oh, that's a great idea, babe. <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> Oh, that's dope, man. But I had a question come in from uh, the boy Carl. <laughs> <laughs> what works best for you in terms of time management and how do you go about planning that? So I'm, I'm very big on time management. I'm very big on having a, there she goes. Sorry to interrupt the question, but she said <laughs> Winnebago's. That's a winner. Um, I schedule everything. I, I have a Google calendar that I keep track of all my personal stuff and, and or it may sound ordained. It might, may sound very complex like to keep track of all this different stuff, but it really helps me just realize, all right, I have an hour to go do this. So I go and do that. And I don't ever say, oh, you know, I'll get to it in an hour. I'll get to it in, uh, tomorrow. When I see that on my calendar, I know that I went ahead a day before, a week before, a month before, whatever it may be. And I put that on there for a reason. I told myself that I would do that during that time. So you know what? I'm going to get off my ass and I'm going to go do that. So it's a lot of respecting yourself in a sense that mm-hmm. you go ahead, you put time on your calendar, you set the alarm in the morning. There's a reason why you did it. Got you. Okay. And then have you, where did you first 
get like that because I feel like I've kind of went through different phases of time management and I'm definitely improving but I felt like it wasn't until I realized like oh I can just go do it I don't have to follow a certain thing like what made you want to get this this uh, comp- complex set up for your time management? It's just something I've I've always done. I don't, I don't really know. You know, there never was like a turning point where, you know, I felt something. I'm like, all right, I need to start tracking this. I just have always been very type A and tracking what I do, uh, budgeting, time management, whatever whatever it may be. Gotcha. That's dope, man. That's a good question. And that actually reminds me because I think you mentioned, I also want to talk about the resources you mentioned so that people that, want to maybe pursue or try these things because you mentioned uh bigger pockets right you know it's a very real estate minded uh type podcast but are there other things that you listen to or try to read consistently that kind of keep you on this mindset yeah it's usually each year i have like a new flavor right it's it's real estate then it's uh e-commerce and so i really focus a lot of my time on that but i spend a lot of my time i I use audible but i'm going to say reading here i spend a lot of my time reading self-development books uh and I've been focusing a lot on negotiation. I think that's a lot of what a lot of people actually tend to overlook. And they think negotiation is this thing that, oh, when you go for a real estate deal, you need to know how to negotiate. But no, it's everything you do. It's how you influence people to honestly get what you want. So you think at work, how to negotiate your salary, honestly, how to negotiate uh, you know, your girlfriend of going to this lunch spot or watching this Netflix <laughs> show. And it, it gets down to those little ideas. details. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. They're stealing her ideas and uh so I read a lot of books on negotiation, uh, personal development, and then obviously financial freedom. Okay, cool. And one one thing I will say is, research the author before you read a book. If that's someone that you want to be like, go out and read their book. But if it's someone that really doesn't fit your lifestyle, or you know they're they're blowing smoke up their ass uh, just to uh, you know put this lifestyle on that they don't actually live, don't read their stuff because you should only. Yep, I love that Lucas Never Split the Difference by Christopher Voss. Great book. Okay, I'm looking um, yeah, look at look at that one. That, that's that's an excellent book. Okay, now I like that little you were just saying. Uh, you basically what you're trying to say is that you want to, if you want to take an information from somebody, you want to see if they're the type of person that you would actually want to hang out with or want to be. And like, have you ever felt like, oh, like I like this book, but then I, I heard this person, I'm not gonna like take in their content because couldn't you say, you know, to play devil's advocate, the information is still good, but they're maybe not using the best of it. Yeah, all the time. I, I actually, I'll read probably the first chapter of the book, and I'll decide at that point do I want to continue this or not. Because I'm not going to push myself through a book where I'm going to waste my time and hearing someone that I know is extremely arrogant or so self, uh, you know, they're vain and they're fulfilled themselves that they're yeah. not actually going to tell you the truth of how to pursue something. Uh, so I do a lot of research on the author before I read any books, and I make sure that there's someone I want to be like, as well as they've done what I'm trying to accomplish. So. If I want to become a millionaire, I'm only going to read material and and gain knowledge from someone who actually is a millionaire, you know, wow. not some twenty uh, year old who has a bunch of fancy cars and stuff. <laughs> Do you see yourself writing a book, bro? I'd love to read it. Get to Maybe one book. day. Maybe okay. when I get to my retirement, I'll, I'll have enough time, and you know, I'm going to be itching to do something. If I, I tell that. myself I can't, I can't do a business. Maybe I'll write a book. Though. It'll take up some time. Cool, man. And you know, we're nearing the end. So once again, if you guys have any quick questions, please answer. But what I like to do towards the end is uh, you kind of already told us kind of, you know, the next idea, maybe the bagels, maybe you finding a new place to <laughs> to settle down with you and your girl. Um, but like based on all the stuff that you've been into, all the ventures you've pursued, your failures, your learnings, what are some words of advice you like to just drop on the people listening just that you feel have really helped you become who you are today? 
Yeah, there's three things, and this is the one thing I did prepare for because I want to make sure I provide advice to everyone, you know, especially staying on the call for this long. I really appreciate that. I know Paul does too. Uh, the first one is never start a business just to start a business. So you heard me mention find a problem and then fulfill that problem with a solution and then create a, a business from that problem. Um, a lot of people go into like, man, that'd be so cool just to start a business. And I, I've been under that mindset before and I failed each time. So start a business based on a problem uh, that you have a solution for. The second, which ties back to a lot of individuals who don't want to be this quote unquote entrepreneur is to always or try to seek the financial independence in this FIRE movement I'm sure you heard of. So FIRE stands for um, financial independence, retire early. And it's very popular amongst millennials such as myself. Uh, so I, I recommend and encourage everyone to seek that financial independence, but don't necessarily seek that retirement that retirement early um, if it's not something that you see yourself doing because a lot of individuals will get bored, especially myself. I know I will, um, thinking of the idea of just retirement and sitting back and doing nothing. But I do encourage everyone to gain financial independence, pay off your debts, start with that, and you are going to have so much more happiness built inside yourself and so much less stress because you don't have to worry about all the debts that you have. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to say is your, your life, and I, I'm going to quote my own video on this, my wealth video, your life, is a, your, your life is the one resource that you'll never be able to reclaim. So think deep about that. You spend about, say, 80% of your adult life at your job, commuting, eating, drinking, watching TV on social media, and most of all, sleeping. So that gives you 20% of your adult life from 20 to, to 70 years old to decide how you want to spend it. So figure out how you want to spend that 20%. And or figure out how you can expand that. So maybe it's more 50-50 or less. Mm-hmm. Dang, you're dropping fire. Now I know where I'm going to cut my clips now, bro. Appreciate that. <laughs> Bookmarking them. <laughs> yeah, right? Time marking. Um, but once again, I really want to say I appreciate you for coming on, Josh. You know, I, I've always seen that you were going to do great things. And, you know, I, I'm definitely sure we'll, we'll check back in later. And, you know, we don't know where you'll be at. But I appreciate you for willing to share this information uh, once again, if you guys enjoyed what Josh had to share today, please follow his Debt to Dollars account. Uh, look on YouTube, follow his channel, and really just you know get after it. You know, so I'm gonna let you go. Uh, I don't know if you have any more words, and then I'm gonna wrap it up with the with the crowd. Yeah, follow me on Instagram and uh, especially YouTube. I do have something really big in the making that I didn't uh, you know release on this video for on oh. purpose. Uh, there is something really big in the next couple months that I'm gonna be uh, issuing out to everybody. So. If you follow me on those accounts, you're going to see what it is. And trust me, it's going to be a huge surprise to everybody. Got you. And just as a reminder to everybody, um, one of the raffle prize for this episode will be actually a one-year elite membership to the Depth to Dollars Patreon. Do you want to kind of explain what that is and the benefits slash perks? Yeah. So on my, on my account, um, you know, every a lot of people comment and I get hundreds of comments actually a day. So it's very difficult to keep up with that. So I created this patron page and it's basically for these exclusive members. You pay three or five dollars a month and you get access to uh, basically connect with me one on one. So if you have any questions about selling on Amazon, listing your car in Turo or gaining financial freedom, really anything, I'm there to answer and support you. Uh, so it gives you access to that. It gives you early access to my YouTube videos about 12, at least 12 hours before I ever put off my uh, put put them release them publicly on YouTube, and then you also get access to a chat community of like-minded entrepreneurs. So it's, it's really cool. It's a fifty dollars value. We're going to give a one-year membership for free. Mm-hmm. So I hope you guys t- tune in next week. 
and yeah. be there whenever you know Paul pulls your name, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, so once again, if you guys uh, want to participate in the raffle, it's going to be based off whatever we talked about today. And to qualify, you have to be following the Paul and Pals Instagram account. Um, I'll put the questions up tomorrow night. If you get four out of five right, you get one entry. If you get five out of five right, you get two entries. So um, I'm, I'm excited for somebody to win that. I think it'll be a very, very beneficial gift. Uh, so once again, to wrap it up, I really appreciate you, Josh. I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks, man. Drop your uh, right, applause emojis. Let's uh, say thank you, man. Hi, bro. See y'all later. Thanks. If you enjoyed this creative conversation, I would appreciate if you did at least one of the following three things. One, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to leave me a rating and a review, too, if you have the time. Two, Follow at Paul and Pals on your social media of choice, but ideally Instagram, so you can tune in live every other Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern to participate in the conversation and potentially win a raffle prize. Three, share the word. People tend to take the referral of a friend or family member seriously, so if you know of a friend or a family member that would also enjoy these creative conversations, send them a link to an episode. Lastly, if you're interested in coming on the show to share your story, please feel free to reach out to me via social media or send me an email at paul, that's P-O-L, at paulandpals.live. And who knows, you might just be the next pal that I interview. But without any further ado, remember to stay creative. Stay creative.